0: Well, thank you, praise team. What a what a way to kick off our Lord's Day worship and prepares our hearts, and we're hopefully ready to open God's Word and to hear from Him this morning. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter seven. Um, obviously, this is not how we plan to begin the, the series through 1 Samuel, but. Uh, We know that God has been very good and he has really watched over our pastor this week through all that he has gone through in surgery and recovery and uh, we really look at, at all of these things and say God has been providentially good and taken providential care of our pastor and so we continue to pray for him and look forward to him being back with us Lord willing next week. But here's what we're gonna do uh, this morning and in future Sundays, if, uh, if I happen to be preaching, we're going to uh, be looking at some parables of Jesus and sort of have a, a series that will run right alongside 1 Samuel, same, same focus. Our focus is to be people who are devoted to King Jesus and certainly these parables of Jesus will help us do that. We'll be in Matthew 7, the last uh, handful of verses there, verses 24 through 29 this morning. And this parable comes at the, at the very end of maybe one of the most famous parts of all of the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, there, there's been this, this loud call <clears throat> to the people of God to be, to be radically transformed, to be radically different, from the world around them. And so this is the very end of that call. Now here's the deal, church. People who are devoted to Jesus are gonna look different. They're gonna talk different, they're gonna act different, they're gonna look different. And they're not gonna do it to somehow try to impress God or impress other people. No, that's not the reason. The reason is because the gospel has been impressed on their heart. So this morning we're going to be talking about pursuing a firm foundation, pursuing that foundation of Jesus. And here's the thing, foundations really do matter. For example, just ask the folks of Surfside, Florida, it's only been a year and a half. You probably remember what happened in June of 2021, that catastrophe in Surfside, a suburb of Miami, Florida, when one of the condos there, it was Champlain Tower South, it collapsed in the middle of the night. 12-story beachfront condo and, and we, we've learned a lot along the way. What we know is that, that water had corroded the foundation under the parking garage and that had obviously been the main culprit. There were some other issues. It was later determined there was insufficient reinforcing steel in the building and in the foundation. There was corruption during the construction and here's the result. 98 people lost their lives that day, and many, many more were injured. And I bring up all of that to say this, church, foundations matter. And they don't just matter when we're talking about condos or when we're talking about buildings, foundations matter. I would say, even more importantly, when we talk about our spiritual lives. And I want us to see that. I want us to think about the importance of foundations as we read these verses here in Matthew chapter 7. Would you stand for a moment as we read God's word together? Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we're reminded this morning as we open your word together that your word is life. Your word is that, that great final authority in our lives. And our desire this morning as we go deeper into your word is that you would transform us by that word. Father, we know that your word is living, it is active, it is doing a work in our lives and we pray that you would transform us this morning and we pray all of this in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, you can be seated. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, what we have is Jesus really communicating with his his inner circle there, uh, communicating with his disciples. But what you also have is this crowd that has gathered around him and they're curious. They wanna know, what is this guy talking about? What's different about his message? Why do people seem to be so interested in Jesus? And what they've heard throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and even here in the conclusion of it, is they've heard some very countercultural teaching. Countercultural to what the secular community might be saying, and definitely countercultural to what the religious leaders were teaching in Jesus' day. Now here's what's interesting. As hard as the teaching has been, the crowd seems to hang around until the very end. And I don't think they're understanding all that Jesus is saying. I think they're, they're, they're probably just dumbfounded by, by all that he's been communicating to them. But they hang around to the end because they know there's something different in what Jesus teaches. There's something different about this Jesus in church, of course they're right. There is something different about Jesus and I want us to see that, that difference today as we think about Jesus. I mean, sure, he's a great teacher, isn't he? I mean, absolutely, he's a, he's a great prophet, but above all of that, Jesus is the Savior. He's the one who died for us to redeem us. In church, if Jesus is Savior, he must be Lord of our lives he must be the one that we build our lives upon so this morning I want us to see three challenges about this firm foundation of Jesus here from the text the first is this pursue the right source for your spiritual foundation pursue the right source for your spiritual foundation Now, I'm gonna take this a little bit backwards. Let's start at the end, the very end here. We'll get out of the parable just a second in these last couple of verses. And I include them because I think they're they're so important to to, uh, what what Jesus is wanting to communicate to the folks here that that he's talking to. After he he finished teaching, we get the the thoughts. We kind of get inside the, the mind of, of the crowd there and what we're told about the crowd and those who are listening to Jesus here on this day is they're astonished at his teaching now why were they astonished because he could really tell some funny stories and jokes no I don't recall any don't recall any throughout the Sermon on the Mount was it because he told the people what they wanted to hear well you know that's not Jesus he didn't normally do that He usually told people what they didn't wanna hear. He told them hard truths. No, the reason the crowd was astonished at his teaching is simply this, the text tells us, it's because he was teaching them as one who had authority. He was teaching as one who had authority. It said it wasn't like our scribes. It wasn't like those other teachers we have in our lives. This guy's teaching with authority. Now, the reality is, and maybe I should say sad reality is, most of the crowd that day, they're not going to follow Jesus. They're curious, but they're not going to follow him as Savior. They're not going to follow him as Lord. But they've been jolted a little bit. They've been hit pretty hard with some really significant truths here. They've just heard God himself speaking through the person of Jesus. They've been jolted a bit. And they know Jesus sounds a little bit different. He's different than what they're, they're used to because he's the one that speaks with true authority. Now think about this, we, we probably have a lot of people in our lives who, who think they speak with authority or, or people who, who try to speak with authority uh, all the time. For, for instance, have you, have you ever had maybe uh, car issues, for, for example, and uh, you, know, you, you have that one friend, he, he always seems to know the answer. He always seems to have the solution, so you're having these these car issues and you describe the issue with, with that friend who always has the answer and your friend says, yep, it's just as I suspected. Your transmission is toast. I've known three people with the same issues and it's always the transmission. Your transmission's gone. And your response is, well, great. That's going to that's gonna be expensive. There goes my car. There goes my finances. I mean, oh, th- everything's just going wrong. I mean, after all, my friend knows three people. <laughs> right? You, you have those friends. You're thinking about those friends in your life. There, there goes my car, right? But then you get some wisdom about you, and you decide to go to a good, honest mechanic who speaks with real authority, and he looks over the, the vehicle, and he says, well... Looks like you just have a clogged fuel filter. 150 bucks will have you back on the road. You're going to be good to go. Aren't you glad you spoke with a true authority, right? A lot of people sound wise at first until you hear a real authority. And maybe our friend isn't that real authority in our lives. The same thing happens with spiritual matters. The same thing happens when we, when we begin to, to listen to the world around us, or listen to people speak about spiritual matters. A lot of people speak as if they are authority on these matters, and it maybe it sounds wise until you measure their words against the true authority, until we measure the words we're hearing against what Scripture teaches. I'm always reminded of the account in John chapter 7 when, when uh, the chief priests and the, the Pharisees, they sent officers to arrest Jesus. You remember that? So the, the officers, they, they're like, well, okay, we got to do what we're, what we're told to do. So, so they go to where Jesus is. They're supposed to arrest him and bring him back to the religious leaders. But when they get to where Jesus is, they actually stop. Maybe this was their their fault here. They stop and they start listening to Jesus. They get to where he is. They listen to what he's teaching. And he's teaching on believing in him as the Savior. He's teaching about having living water in their lives. And then the officers just turn around and they, they go back to the to the chief priests and they go back to the, to the Pharisees and when they get back, of course, they're, they're empty handed, they don't have Jesus and the chief priests and officers say, why didn't you bring him? And do you remember what they said? Remember what the officers said? They said, no one ever spoke like this man. We've heard you, we've listened to you, but now, now we've heard the real thing. Now we've heard Jesus, and folks, no one ever spoke like Jesus. Jesus is different. And when he teaches, he strips up that old foundation in our lives, that that old sin nature, the old foundation that the world tries to lay in our lives. He strips all of that up, and he lays something altogether new. No one ever spoke like this man. Church, everybody has some kind of foundation to their lives. There's, there's something that guides your decision making day in and day out. There's something that supports your behaviors and helps form the values that, that you hold dear in your life. There's some kind of foundation that influences your thoughts and, and filters information as it, as it comes through our brain. What do we do with that? How do we respond? What do we do here, right? So there's some kind of foundation. The question is, where does that come from in your life? In other words, what's the source of your foundation? Is it the wisdom of the world? Is it the things that, that we hear around us that, that come across as wisdom, perhaps? They seem like wisdom. Is it the wisdom of the world? We know that's only going to disappoint it's only gonna lead us astray. Is it the wisdom of the world that is the source of our foundation or is it the authoritative word of truth that we find in scripture? The source of our spiritual foundation matters. Church, be sure your source is Jesus. Be sure you're weighing the wisdom that you hear against what we find in scripture. Pursuing Jesus as that one true source of devotion in our life is only done through pursuing him in the word and church as you devote yourself to Jesus here's the second thing I want us to see this morning we need to lay a firm foundation for our spiritual life find the right source and then lay a firm foundation for your spiritual life now here we kind of get into the parable a little bit Jesus is uh, he's talking about two houses here in the parable and in these two houses they they probably look very similar to one another you probably can't tell much difference between the two just looking on the outside they're both probably well kept they're they're both clean there's a a lot of similar features between these two houses but the difference between these two houses is the foundation one of them has a foundation built on rock And the other is built on sand. In church, herein lies the problem. Now, Jesus' entire audience seems to understand this. I mean, that's the nature of a parable. He tells tells a story that, that the people would generally understand in everyday life, a story from everyday life. And then he applies a spiritual principle to it. So he's talking about building on rock and building on sand and, and the crowd surely understands what he's talking about but 2,000 years removed from that, I don't really understand how to build a house. I don't understand a whole lot about foundations and so I thought, well, I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna read up on building a house on sand. Can that be done? Well, actually, it turns out modern people actually do build on sand but the process is quite tricky and maybe not so wise I was, I was reading an article, just because it sounded really cool from the website. It was, about, it was on uh, the Coastal Dream Life website. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Who doesn't want that? I, w- I went to the website and I'm reading this article, and as I'm reading it, they actually point to this parable to warn against building on sand. Like, you, you can do it, but it may not be wise. And here's what they said. They said sand doesn't offer high tensile or compressive strength. Now, if you know what that means, great, you're doing better than me. But they also said the salt in sand absorbs water and it leads to corrosion. And and they said that sandy soil expands and it pushes against the foundation and ultimately weakens the foundation. And then they said sand shifts and it washes away over time. I suppose you can build on sand. People do it today. It can be done, but I think Jesus point is still made. It's a dangerous endeavor. It may not be the wisest endeavor. Listen in verse 26, Jesus says, "It's the foolish man who builds his house on the sand." And if we go back up to verse 24, he says, "It's the wise man though who builds his house on the rock." Now, of course, Jesus isn't really concerned about how you build your home, or where you build your home, or, or what it looks like, or what kind of a physical foundation your home has. This is a little parable that's showing us the kind of spiritual foundations we need. But it surely begs this question, how do you build your life on a rock foundation? If this is what we're called to do, make sure that that what's, what's below us, that, that foundation in our lives isn't shifting sand, make sure it's solid rock. How do you do that? Well, again, look at verse 26. Jesus says: Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. But then look at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Church, the rock foundation is the teaching of Jesus. The solid rock that we should be building our lives on is the teaching of Jesus. We build our lives on Jesus, our rock, simply by hearing and doing the word of God. It's not complicated. Jesus didn't mean for it to be complicated, but listen, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that happens in an instance, it happens brick by brick as we look to Jesus. Each day as we spend time in the word of God, and listen, not just reading the word of God, but actually putting it into practice, brick by brick, day by day, as we read the word and put it into practice, we build on the solid rock of Jesus. Every sermon, every Bible study that we're a part of, when we apply it and obey it, it's laying a brick in our spiritual lives. So you can't do what you don't know You you can't do what you don't understand, what what you haven't gleaned from scripture. You can't do what you don't know. So you have to hear the word. You have to immerse your life in scripture and then live it out. Now this isn't just good advice for how to live a moral life or to be a better version of yourself. That's the way culture talks around us. This isn't exceptional Christianity for the super Christian among us now, this is about being devoted to King Jesus. This is about ordinary, everyday, loving Jesus, rejoicing in our salvation in him, Christianity. This is what it should look like. Now, there's a lot at stake when we, when we consider the foundations of our lives. We want to lay that foundation on the solid rock of Jesus, but, but why would it matter? Well, look thirdly with me. We want to grasp the importance of a firm spiritual foundation. Jesus tells us, and this is is really important. Jesus tells us in both examples, now keep this in mind, whether it's a rock foundation or a sandy foundation, in both examples, Jesus says the same thing. He says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. House built on rock, house built on sand. Rain's coming, flood's coming, winds are blowing and beating against the house. And what all of this represents is that, that judgment of God that is coming one day. Promise we have from his word, it's coming one day. And in the passage though, what we notice is only one house withstands that storm. Only one house withstands all that, that comes against us in life and ultimately withstands the judgment of God. And of course, it's the house built on the rock. In life, only one kind of person will withstand God's judgment. And it's the one whose life is built on and is devoted to the solid rock of Jesus. Hearing and believing the gospel. Hearing and doing the word of God the church this isn't just surface level righteousness this isn't looking good on the outside so people think we're doing okay this is deep grounded devotion to Jesus this is a deep-seated commitment to to move everything else aside in our lives to be founded right on the rock of Jesus now I said there's a lot at stake right There's a lot at stake because Judgment Day is gonna expose every sandy foundation among us. And the text says, great will be the fall. Great will be the fall of a life that is not anchored deep in the bedrock of Jesus. Now, just to be clear, this is more than just believing in Jesus. You remember James 2.19? Even the demons believe in Jesus and they shudder. This is more than just believing in Jesus. This is a devotion to Jesus that leads to a lifelong pursuit of Jesus and is ultimately displayed or worked out in our worship in obedience to Jesus. That's not just believing in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Apostle Paul, I think he says something very similar to what we see here. He reminds us we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, how are we supposed to be ready for that day? Everybody will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How will we be ready for that day? Well, basically what we've seen in the text is you're believing, you're hearing, and you're doing the word of God. And you know what? Paul's gonna say something very similar. Maybe another helpful answer, another way we could look at it is Paul's words just a few verses later. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he says this, and catch these first words. He says, the reason, the reason we can have confidence when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, he says, For the love of Christ controls us. For the love of Christ controls us. Why? Because we have concluded this that one has died for all, speaking of Jesus, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Church, Jesus and Paul, they, they really pose the same question. Are you living for self or are you devoted to Christ who gave his life for you? If you're devoted to Jesus, then you're gonna be living with your eyes set on him. You're gonna be anchoring your life to him as that foundation. You'll hear and you'll obey his word. Listen, not perfectly, but persistently. You see, the, the, the characteristic of a Christian is not that, not that they, they read God's word and they obey it perfectly because none of us are ever gonna do that, but they do persistently obey it. And when they don't, they confess it and they get up and keep running after Jesus. So we hear and obey his word. Like Paul says, the love of Christ controls us and when the love of Christ controls us, it will compel us to walk in obedience to Jesus and listen your rock solid foundation of gospel truth it will ultimately usher you into Christ's presence at the judgment the rains are going to come the winds are going to blow the floods will come your way but if your life is anchored on the solid rock of Jesus there is no fear there is no worry for that day he will usher you into his presence Friends, here's the deal. None of this is terribly complicated, is it? None of this is terribly complicated. Devote your life to Jesus. Trust in him as your firm foundation in life. Anchor your life deep into the grace and love of Jesus that we find in God's word. Hear and do the words of King Jesus. But listen, if he's not your foundation today, if, if your life is, is founded on something else, you're more concerned about what's happening in culture rather than what Jesus wants to do in your life and what he has said in his word, if he's not your foundation, if he's not your savior, if he's not your king today, I have good news for you. He can be. He desires to be. Here's the solution. Repent, turn from sin. Trust in Jesus alone. Place your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Friends, God has spoken and he's called every one of us to be hearers of the word but not just hearers, doers of the word because listen, one day every foundation is going to be tested. Friend, be sure your foundation is in Jesus alone, amen? Would you pray with me? Our good and gracious Father, we're, we're thankful today that you don't give up on people like us. We confess this morning that every single one of us, Lord, we're, we're prone to wander. We're prone to, to seek other things in life, to pursue other, maybe easier foundations for our life to listen to those we ought not listen to. But Father, you have not given up on us. You've given us truth, you've given us Jesus, and you've given us your spirit so that we can know that truth and anchor our lives to Jesus. Father, this morning it may be that there's someone here who has has never done that, they, they know who Jesus is. They might even believe in Jesus like the demons do. Oh, but they've never anchored their life to Jesus. They've never made him that rock solid foundation of their life. Father, would you make this the day? Give them the boldness, give them the courage to just confess, I need Jesus. I need a relationship. With the savior of the world and father as we continue in worship as we sing here in just a moment would you work in our hearts father teach us grow us help us to apply your word And we ask this in the matchless name of jesus amen church would you stand as we sing